because I just know that each one of you here is here by appointment. Now, some of you are saying, oh, I just came with my husband. No. It's not a coincidence that you're here because God is an intentional God, and he does everything intentionally. And so there is a reason for you to be here. And I don't know at what point it's going to happen in the weekend, but at some place, God is going to encounter you. You're going to meet with him. So lean in. Lean in. Tell your tired body to shut up. The Spirit's in charge here. So I'm also here by appointment. And if not, we're both in trouble, right? So I'm also here. I'll tell you how I got here is um, a few months ago, and I don't even know why I was doing it. I was watching a video, and it was an African video, so I love Africa. And it was a, a picture of an elephant, and it was surrounded by a pride of lions. And they were just attacking this elephant. And I saw the elephant rise up and trumpet. And then he stomped. And then he charged them. And he actually drove off the whole pride. And when he did it, I thought, wow, they say the lion is the king of the jungle. But I think it's the elephant. (laughs) That was just the thought. The very next day, Pastor John calls and says, we're reviving our conferences. COVID is over. You want to come speak? I said, oh, I was just thinking about Africa yesterday. I said, I'd love to come. Let me just pray about it a couple of days. I just want to be sure it's the right timing. So the next day, I went to a conference for two days. And at the end of the conference, they had prophetic teams who would pray for people who wanted to get a word. Who likes to get a word? I like to get a word. Everybody expects us to give one, but it's nice to get one once in a while, isn't it? Yeah. So we're sitting there, and this man and woman are waiting and said, let's just be quiet and wait on the Lord. So we're sitting there. The man says, I see a great big elephant. And he said, you know, they say the lion is king of the jungle, but I think it's the elephant. I don't know if God speaks to you in weird ways, but he knows my humor. God loves to talk to me in crazy ways like that. But I cherish the prophetic word. Any way that God speaks to me, I cherish it. I get excited about it. So I'm here by appointment too. Thank you, Pastor John. And thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here. So are you ready to dive in? So I was one of three children. I'm the middle child. I'm the classic middle child, if you know what that means. (laughs) I don't know if it's something to be proud of or not. But anyway, I'm the middle child and all that goes with it. And when I was a child, if my father was at work and mother was taking us to the grocery store, shopping or something, the three of us kids would all race to the car because the prized position was front seat, passenger seat. Did you experience that? So it used to lead to fights and fisticuffs and bruises. And then my mother taught us a system that's called dibs. You know about dibs? Some of you oldsters know So what we would do is, when we would go to the car, the first one who said, dibs on the front seat, that meant you claimed the front seat. If you said it first, that was your guaranteed position. You had access because you claimed dibs. And it didn't matter if you were the last one to the car, that front seat was still open because you claimed that position. Well, I began to wonder, where did this come from? 
So I looked it up. It's weird. There used to be a children's game that they played in England in the 16 and 1700s. And the point of the game was to collect these tokens. But in order to collect and possess the tokens and win the game, you had to say dibs first. Otherwise, you'd be disqualified. Now, you're probably wondering why I'm telling you this weird story. So the reason is because when I was reading Exodus 3 a few months ago, God just quickened to me this memory of dibs. And he started speaking to me about principles of access. Principles of access. You know, we know the word. I mean, I'm, most of you are Christians, a lot of you are pastors. You know what God says he will provide, what he will do, what's available. And we preach it every week, but not everybody accesses it. Is it true? We believe for this, we believe for that, but then sometimes we get discouraged because it's like, where's the access? Why aren't we getting there? So tonight I'm going to talk about four principles of access. And we're going to use dibs. Thank you. I was hoping somebody would call dibs. Anytime throughout the service, you can just reach up when you want to claim dibs on that thing. You can shout dibs. So as you're turning to Exodus 3, I'm just going to give you, it's too long a story, the Exodus and Moses story. It's too long to contain. So I'm just going to take a few verses, and um, I think we can find the principles just in a very few verses. So the background story, everybody know Moses? Okay, he was pulled out of a river, right? Pulled out of the Nile River. But later on, he got into the river. We'll talk about that later. He was raised in Pharaoh's household, but he knew he was a Hebrew. He knew who he was, and he watched how the Egyptians treated the Hebrews and how they got harsher and harsher and how they enslaved and oppressed the people. And it grieved something in Moses there was a seed of destiny in him that he was in touch with. He didn't really get it. He didn't really know. But he wanted to be part of the transformation. He wanted to be part of seeing Israel get set free. But we know what he did. One day, he saw an Egyptian beating on a Hebrew, and what did he do? He killed him and tried to hide the body. But it was already 24 hours. It's kind of like the church. 24 hours, and everybody already knew. And so he had to, sorry, that's the other church down the road, not this one, but I've heard that it happens. So he ran to Midian because now Pharaoh wants to kill him. So he ran for his life to Midian where he stayed for 40 years. Now he started at 40, so how old was he? I'm not 80 yet, praise God. So he married, he settled down. What happened to that seed of a dream, that seed of destiny that was inside of him? What happened to that thing that said, I want to see transformation. I want to see the people set free, and I have a part to play. What do you think happened to that dream? Forgotten, in disappointment, in failure, in guilt, fear, a lot of emotions going on. Or maybe he just went dead to it, you know, because the dream was dead, gone. Let's turn to Exodus 3, and we're going to pick up in verse 6. Okay, 3, 6. Now, this is after the angel of the Lord has already come to him and said, Remove your sandals, it's holy ground. 
Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who were in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, and all the otherites. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Okay, we'll stop right there. I think we can get enough of the gist of the story right there. A dream that was dead, a seed of destiny that was forgotten, 40 years passed, and boom, in an instant, there's a resurrection of a dream. Just with a voice of God saying, I hear, I see, I care, I answer, and I'm coming down. Can you imagine a dream resurrection in your life happening in an instant like that? Maybe there's some people here tonight. Maybe you don't have a dream as big as Moses, but we have all sizes of dreams, don't we? We have ideas and visions And sometimes it's just desires of our heart, things that we believe God for. We know it's for us. The provision is there, but the years and the decades are piling up, and we're not seeing it. We're not seeing it come. But in an instant, I believe something must have quickened in Moses. So it doesn't say so, but I believe something must have quickened. Because when God speaks and says, I'm responding now, that's what I want to hear. I'm responding now. After 40 years, after 40 years, can you imagine after all that time? Can you imagine God resurrecting that thing that you always dreamed of, that you always hoped would happen, that you prayed for, that you believed for? Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a gifting, maybe it's a ministry, whatever it is. What's happened to that dream? Sometimes they get covered up in the sands of the desert. I have a goddaughter. Well, I have two goddaughters. One of my goddaughters is John and Bev's daughter, and another one is in California. And she was raised in a secular family, but this was a family I knew and loved before I was saved. And so when I got born again, I was like, these people have to get saved. You know, I love these people. They've got to get saved. And when their daughter was 14... She came and asked me to baptize her. And I thought, this is the beginning. This is it. It's going to happen. Well, she went back to California. No offense to California, but she went back to a whole secular lifestyle. Never really knew Jesus. So for 26 years, I've prayed for my goddaughter and her brother, the mother, and there's been no fruit. Is there somebody you're believing for? And it's like there's no fruit. It's just they're not going to come. And I'm just determined they're going to come. Now, I know God gives free will, but I'm not God, and I'm not giving him free will. I'm saying, you've got to come. You've got to come. And, you know, they get a little tired of my witnessing. They, they get a little tired of me. So even though I prayed off and on for a long time, I must say in recent years, the dream's gotten, I don't pray as fervently. I don't pray with as much faith for this family as I used to. 
So I'm tired now. They won't respond. But a few months ago, my goddaughter calls me and she tells me the most amazing story. Now she's 40 years old now and she's single. She said she hooked up with an acquaintance of hers, somebody she'd worked with on projects from time to time but didn't really know him, and they started dating. And on their second or third date, they went to a restaurant for dinner and they ran into some friends of his. And so they said, well, why don't you just join us? And they all sat together at the table. And uh, after a while, my goddaughter said, well, how do you all all know David? And they said, oh, we all go to church together. And she was like, a church? She said, she said to me, if I'd known he was a Christian, I never would have accepted a date with That's how far away she is. But she liked these people. She'd never really known any Christians other than me, and I'm old, so that doesn't count, right? So she'd never known. So she started liking these people, and she started going to church with them. And it's like all new to her. It's like, she, you know, where do you read in the Bible? Where's the Gospel of John? I mean, you know, it's just like brand new. So as she started dating this guy, though, she figured out he had a lot of issues. You know, Christians can be unhealed sometimes. And he was unhealed, and it wasn't a very healthy relationship. But now she loves this church, and she loves these people. They've taught her the way of salvation. So she's driving down the freeway one day, and she's like, I don't know what to do. If I break up with him, then I'm going to lose the friends and the church and God, and I I don't know what to do. Should I continue? And she said, Helen, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, what? She said, you promise not to think I'm crazy. I said, okay. She said, God came into the car. I said, yeah, we know about that. Yeah. God came into the car, and he told her, he said, it doesn't matter whether the relationship works out. You have Jesus now. And she said the most incredible peace came over her. 26 years of praying for these hard-headed people. And she... Now her brother comes to visit this summer, and he says to me, I'd like to talk to you about you baptizing me. It's like all of a sudden, I feel the fingers spreading in the family. Guys, we can't give up on our dreams. We can't give up on what we're... Because if I had the heart to hold him up all these years, God put it in there. Because I'm just not that good. God put that in there. We have to hold on to these things. What might God do if we let him resurrect a dream this weekend? And you took hold of that thing and started to believe God. He's a dream resurrector. He gives back what the enemy has stolen. Okay. Anybody here ever had a dream and lost it? Yeah, we don't like to admit that. So D for dibs, D stands for dream. Okay? And I'm proclaiming to you, it's time to dream again. It's time to start dreaming, uh, dreaming impossible dreams, dreaming incredible dreams, things that you never thought you could do, never thought you'd see, start to stand and say, I'm just going to think about that. I'm just going to let God let me dream that again. You may be 80 years old, but Moses was 80. So if you're still alive, if you're still breathing, then there's still a call, there's still a destiny, there's still a purpose, and all the plans of God are yes and amen. Get ready for a resurrection. Let's get ready for a resurrection. 
Look at this verse in verse 8. He says, So I've come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up to the land of good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So what is God doing in that statement? He's taking the dream to another level. He's saying, Moses, don't look back. Don't look at what happened before. Look far. Come on, can you see with me where I'm taking you? Not where you've been, but can you see where I'm taking you? It's a spacious land. There's room for everybody. And it's flowing with milk and honey. Now, obviously, that's not literal. You don't want streets with honey, right? It's a little sticky mess. But God's being poetically exaggerative. I don't know if I can say that right. But anyway, he is trying to say, this is a place of abundance, of nourishment. I've prepared a place for you where it's tasty, where it's delicious. He wants Moses to dream, but he wants him to imagine. It's not enough to dream. I know a lot of dreamers who've never gone anywhere. They just sit around and dream. And dreaming's great, but we need to be able to imagine. And I don't think you realize how important it is that what you think about will determine your faith. Let's say you had somebody in your family. um, You're standing for a vision for reconciliation to families. Anybody standing for reconciliation in their family? Oh, okay. So you're standing for that reconciliation. You haven't spoken to that person for six years. You're tired of thinking about them. You're not even dreaming about what can happen. It's just like, I hope they don't phone. I hope they can't find me. When you think about them, what do you think about? You think about the last thing they said. You think about that ugly thing they did. You think about how they betrayed you. And your heart gets hard towards the dream. So it starts to hinder what God wants to do because all your meditation about that person or those people, you're like locking them down with your judgment and your condemnation. We have the power to bind and loose. We can lift and remit someone's sin, say, I free them to respond to the gospel. I see them responding to the gospel. Now, it may not be right now, it may not be, the timing of God is important, but can you look and imagine yourself, say it was a brother, can you see yourself sitting in front of the TV watching a rugby game and shouting for your team and laughing together like you used to? Would you dare to let yourself see what God wants instead of what was? Because it's a big part of faith. Would you take it another step further and say, Okay, I'm willing to see two caravans, his family, my family, traveling together, going on holiday. Would you take it that far? Well, I don't go on holiday with those people. Forget what was. Let's believe the impossible. Maybe you could even imagine yourself picking up the phone. It's risky stuff imagining. It's risky stuff. But if we're not able to imagine, if we can't see there is a river, we won't jump in it. If you can't see it's for you, that God has prepared it for you, you won't go there. And so that's why God said to Moses, can't you see? It's an invitation to imagine. I love that scripture in Ephesians 3.20. Who's got that one memorized? 
He's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever think, ask, or imagine, but he wants you to imagine it. He can do more than you imagine, but it's important that your focus is on what God wants to do instead of locking them into where they are. And I don't care how pathetic they are. I don't care what they did to you, because remember, you also got saved. Keep in mind, he rescued you. Is he not able to rescue them? So it's so important to start activating our imagination. I think a lot of dreams are dropped because we haven't imagined what God wants to do. You could write it down. You could draw a picture of it. You could proclaim it. You could prophesy over it. But begin to see what God wants to do. One thing I admire so much about Pastor John is he's a man of vision. He can always, he's, there's always a river. For him, there's always a garden. And sometimes Bev and I would say, oh, I think you're getting, and he's like, no, no. God said it. We're going here. We're going to do this. And then he just does it. He sees it. He sees it. You're following a man of vision. He sees it before it happens. And that's what we're supposed to do. Otherwise, we got stuck in what happened before. Does that make any sense? Okay, so the second part of dibs is what? Imagine. You start with dreaming. Access starts with dreaming, but it moves to imagining. Specific. I remember when I first became a charismatic, charismaniac, crazy Christian, I went to a church and they were big into name it and claim it. I see that yellow Cadillac. I name it. I claim it. It's my, you know, it was so carnal. And so I threw out the baby with the bathwater. It made me so mad because it was so fleshly. Turns out they were right. (laughs) They just had wrong heart motives. They just were ignorant, but they were right. The new age has latched onto it. And so we run, oh, the new age does the name and claim. Oh, they do that visualization. So I'm staying away from it. Don't you know they've stolen from the church? God's invited us to dream. Would you dare to imagine that every impossible situation in your life, God could just drop down today and said, I'm going to change it. I've heard your prayers. I've heard your cries. I'm answering today. It's things are going to change. Would you believe it? Would you grasp it? I'm getting excited. See, if you can see it, You can have it. If you can't see it, you might not get it. Because you're part of it. You're part of reeling it in. You're part of it. God has given that to you. It's your job to dream. It's your job to imagine. And so God was inviting Moses. Can't you see what I've prepared for you? God knew it wasn't enough for Moses to just dream and imagine. He also had to believe. (laughs) He also had to come to a place where he owned it. Like it's his possession. I own this now. So what does God do? Let's look and see. Verse 7, he says, I've seen you. I care about you. I've heard your prayers. I'm answering. Verse 9, the same thing. Verse 16, the same thing. I won't take time to... It all says the same thing. I care I hear, I listen, I answer. He says the same thing over and over and over. What's he given? Promises. 
A promise from the Word of God is something you can stand on. When all hell breaks loose, when circumstances go wrong, if you have a foundation in what God has said, then you can start walking towards it. Because apparently we need these rocking boats. I don't know why, but apparently he likes to rock the boat. Or the devil likes to rock the boat. But James says it's for our good. It's building something. It's strengthening us. We're in the gymnasium of faith. And so we need resistance. Because you don't excel in the gym unless there's resistance, do you? Of course, you can see I'm an expert on what happens in the gym. But... (laughs) Okay, verse 12. So he starts giving promises. He says, certainly I'll be with you. He says, I'm going with you. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to work miracles through you. You can just say these words, I am sent me. So he gives him all these words to stand on because he knows he has to have a foundation. You know, a lot of people are chasing after dreams that God never gave them. That's kind of scary. Some people are chasing after callings and anointings God never appointed them for. And so they're disappointed. Well, God, don't you care? And where are you? And and why aren't you answering? And they need to go back to the beginning and get God's dream, not their dream. See, some people are trying to build their own kingdom, but they don't have a foundation. God said this to me in the Word of God. God said it to me through the prophetic Word. God confirmed it through my pastor. We need the words to stand on that come straight from God's heart. Because otherwise, we're out there on our own. And then we're so disappointed because God's not doing what we want him to do. But we're chasing the wrong dream. Moving along. If you want to claim dibs, does anybody want to claim dibs tonight? If you want to claim dibs to access things that you haven't been able to access, whether it's miracles, whether it's a vision, a dream, whatever, then you have to start getting in the Word of God. Sometimes charismatics, we get too airy-fairy. We just run after the prophetic word. We just run after our own goose pimples. And we're not in the Word of God. We're not hearing from God what God has to say about our direction. Even if he speaks through a vision of an elephant and lions, He'll find his way. He'll find his way. If you're seeking him, he says, I'll answer when you seek me with all your heart. I will speak. Talking about the word, I will speak. Most of the times when I hear from God, I hear it through this word. Now, I was talking to Bobby Leger today, and uh, he just hears voices. (laughs) He hears, I mean, he's like I'm talking right now. And I said, well, pray for us, because we all want to hear from God like you hear from God. But I tell you, one of the major ways we hear from God is in the Word of God. Whenever I go, you remember Kubis von Rensburg, prophet Kubis? If you ever went to his house, he'd just disappear. He'd be as polite as he could stand to be, being an introvert. And he'd disappear after dinner, and then you'd go find him in a room by himself just reading the Word. Because you see, every time he opened the Word, God was talking to him. It was a relationship. It was, he wasn't trying to get a message. He wasn't trying to get something from God. He was after God. And so he carried that presence. That's what we want to carry. We want to carry his word because we love the author of the word. We're not trying to memorize a bunch of scriptures and stick them on things. We're trying to walk according to relationship. 
And this is what God was inviting Moses into, a relationship of trust with him. What do you have to trust the most? The word of God. You trust him because he says, I exalt my word even above my name. Like if I said it, that settles it. If God's given you a dream and he's caused you, taught you how to imagine it and to reel it in, no matter what happens, if he said it, then it's yours. And you can claim dibs. You can say, no, that's mine. I don't care what the circumstances are saying. I know that's mine. I'm going to have it. I'm going to walk towards that. I want to start walking towards some things that I've, I wouldn't say I've lost faith for, but I don't feel the same way about it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, I believe, but I'm not this kind of, I'm not passionate, vigorous, aggressive about it. Because, you know, the years pass, and things don't happen, and circumstances, yeah, I don't know if it's going to happen. But if you have a word from God, if you have a promise from God, it's settled. Should be settled. For Smith Wigglesworth, it was if God said it, that's it. He didn't live to please people. Good knows he didn't please many people. <laughs> he worked a lot of miracles, but a lot of people not happy. But he lived to please God, and he got it from the Word. His relationship with God was primarily through the Word of God. And look at the miracles he stepped into. So I think God was giving all these promises to Moses so that he would go to that place. This is the work of God. What's the rest of that scripture? Only believe in the one that he sent. This is the work. We're spinning our wheels. We're working so hard to make it happen. And he says, this is the work of God. Believe on the one that he sent. He's a faithful God. He's a faithful God. And he's going to do it. You need one more ingredient. You need to dream. You need to imagine. You need to believe. But let's read verse 10. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said, oh, great. That's exciting. I can't wait. (laughs) He said, you got the wrong guy. Sorry, you were doing great, God. I'm on board with the vision. I'm on board with the, This is wonderful. Yeah, great. Do it, God. But I'm not the guy. First of all, they're not going to believe me. And God says, well, just tell them I am who I am. Oh, well, you know, I don't, I, I don't have any power. I don't have, what's that in your hand? I can work miracles. I can. He goes on. God keeps reassuring him. And, tell, and Moses keeps offering up all the reasons why he can't step in to the river. All the reasons. Now, he had some good reasons, didn't he? I mean, after all, he feels like a failure, probably. I mean, I'm a murderer, and I did it in the name of some righteous notion I was going to do. So he's got a past. Anybody got a past? Y'all are so honest. (laughs) I was talking to Bobby Leger today, and he said, is that right, Leger? I was talking to Bobby today, and you know what? Bobby's got a past. Some of y'all know Bobby. He's got a past. So if you're sitting there feeling sorry for yourself because your life was so hard growing up, come talk to Bobby. (laughs) He did not allow his past to keep him from the things that God had appointed for him. Culture was against him. His parents were against him. Witchcraft was against him. Abuse was there. Every foul thing you can think of 
that the devil could think of to hold him down, and yet he didn't allow his past to keep him from his future. I wonder if there are people walking around here today who are just saying, he can do it for Bobby, he can do it for Pastor John, but I'm just not quite good and I'm not quite there. Can't do it through me. You're letting your past keep you from the future. If you feel like a failure, repent right now. Just, should we do that? Should we just have an altar call of repentance, of feeling like a failure? God was not deaf or blind to Moses, and he didn't choose him because he killed or didn't kill an Egyptian. He also had fears, because remember, he's a wanted man. If you go into ministry, they'll be after you. I hate to tell you. Anybody been in ministry a year or two? They're after you. You can't please him because the devil is busy working all the time. It's not that people are horrible, but the devil is alive and he's a deceiver. And so if you're in ministry, it will cost you. People will doubt you. People will not believe you. People make up stories about There's all kinds of resistance. And you think, well, why put myself in for that? (laughs) You know, let somebody else step in the river. Because, you know, it looks kind of deep. I mean, there's some rapids in there. There's some rocks. There may be some resistance. And Moses met with some resistance when he went in there, didn't he? He met with some resistance. And yet, when he jumped in the river, suddenly he realized, I can swim here. I can can do miracles in the river. See, if you get in the river, you find out it's God working through you. It's not hard, but it's hard to swim in the desert because all you get is heat stroke and a mouthful of sand. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. But in the river, yes, there are things that happen, but in the river, you can swim. You can navigate. And finally, praise God, finally Moses bowed. Finally Moses said, okay. God says, I'll even give you Aaron. He wasn't very happy about it, but I'll even give you Aaron to speak for you. See, God isn't calling you because you're a great speaker, because you form beautiful sermons. God's not calling you for your gift. He's calling you through your weakness. (laughs) He's not dependent on your gift. He's dependent on your trust. He's dependent on your obedience. He said, I'm inviting you in to trust me. Moses didn't know what it was going to look like. Maybe just as well. He didn't know. And yet he chose to trust God. He chose to step in. And some of you have been afraid to prophesy. You've been afraid to really declare the doctrine you believe in front of your church. You've been afraid in front of your family to say what really is in your heart, what you're called to. Because it's just easier, isn't it? It's just easier. Anybody have resistance to stepping in the river? How about insecurities? I mean, Moses was a mass of insecurities. Anybody insecure in here? I'm the only one? God told me something to do a few years ago. Numerous prophets came, and it's like, okay, this is getting old, and here's another prophecy about the same subject. You need to do this thing. And I bought, okay, all right, that's wow. Okay, I buy the dream. I start to imagine it. I start, okay, I'm going to do this. This is how it's going to look. I'm going to do that. 
I seek the word of God. I journal. I write down the prophetic words. I believe God. And then it's time to do it. I put a toe in. Didn't feel so good. I came out. A few months later, I put a foot in. Oh, okay, good. This is going... No, I don't, think, I don't think I have that much to say. No, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I'm worthy of this. And when I was preparing this message, God said to me, this message isn't just for them. <laughs> I'm challenging you. Are you going to let another year pass without stepping into what I've called you to do? Ain't <sighs> not. So because I'm generous and I love you so much, I'm passing on the challenge to you. (laughs) Because I love you. I love you. How much time will you let pass before you do the hard thing that God's put in your heart? You know, it, it doesn't have to be a great big thing. It can be a little thing. But will God do it? Does he promise in his word to bring fulfillment to the desires of your heart? We're not just talking about his mission. He cares about your little things. I remember when I first moved to Africa, I read a John Lake book, and it just blew me away. What he did in this country in the early part of the 1900s, I read about lepers, and I read about resurrections and bodies. I mean, all these incredible things. I was like, wow, God. But then I read this one account And it seems silly compared to all these others, but it just gripped my heart. He told the story of one night he was at the dinner table. They'd have a a late meeting at the church. He was sitting around with his friends, having dinner, and then all of a sudden, God erupted in the room. God came to the dinner party, and he just blew it up. And this woman, anointed woman, she started to sing. And he said there was such a presence of the Lord there that people in the street came out in the middle of the night to stand in wonder. And when I read that, I don't know why it just struck me. I said, God, I want that. I want you to invade my dinner table with all my friends and just come in and mess it up. Just come in and just go wild. I don't know why I would ask for that, but I just, it just did. It gripped me. The years went by. I didn't see that. I forgot about it. I actually forgot about it. And then one day, I was preaching here, and Pastor John was out of town. And it was one of those days where people all end up on the floor, you know, some of those days in church. It was one of those days. And eventually, everybody left, but Ian Brown was still lying on the floor. Is Ian here? Ian Brown. (laughs) There he is. He's still lying on the floor. Now, I was living in the church house. And I had planned a luncheon and a meeting for all the home cell leaders, and he was one. And so we got tired of waiting for him. We said, we'll just leave the door open, and we'll go into the house and start preparing lunch. So we go in, we prepare lunch, we're sitting down to eat, and then here comes Ian. He walks in like this, like a drunk man. He comes in, he sits down at the table, and we all just look at him, because we can see he's just been whacked by God. And we said, Ian what happened? And he went. And when he bowed his head, the Holy Spirit exploded at the dinner table. 
people began to prophesy. People began to sing. People began to march and pray. There were tongues around. And here's Ian with his head down like this. And we're marching. We're singing. And Shireen, now I've never told anybody that I had this desire. I never told anybody about the John Lake thing. Shireen gets the tambourine and she starts shaking it. She said, Helen, God told me to tell you right now. He is fulfilling a desire of your heart that you wanted for years. He cares about those little dreams as much as he cares about your ministry. He cares about your family. He cares about your home, your crafts, everything. But he wants you to trust him. And until you step out, nothing will happen. If Moses hadn't stepped out, it wouldn't have happened at least through Moses. We have to be willing to lay aside our insecurities and our fears and those hurts and our past because God wants to bless us. It's not that he's withholding, but he wants us to get in the process. Anybody going to claim dibs on a dream tonight? Just raise your hand. If you want to claim dibs on a dream of God tonight, say, Father, I will dare to dream. I will dare to imagine the unimaginable. I will dare to imagine the impossible. I will stand on the word of God who says all your children shall be taught of the Lord. That says you will do greater works than I've done. That says bless the Lord oh my soul who forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. I'm standing on the word of God. I will stand on the word of God and I will obey him no matter how scared I am. I will obey him no matter how weak I am. I will step in the river and discover that I can swim. I can navigate. I can do things I never thought I could do because I trust him. Lord, we trust you right now. We just declare we trust you. Father, forgive us for the places where we dropped our dream where we dropped our faith, where we stopped believing because it got hard and because it got too long and because we didn't feel adequate to the task. Father, hear our cries as you heard the Hebrews' cries. Father, come down and deliver us from every hindrance, every blockage that says we can't go where you've called us to go. We can't do. Father, I thank you that you are here and there is a river now, I want you to just imagine. I want you to look in to what God wants to show you. Dare to imagine the impossible is possible. Dare to imagine that he's faithful to his word. Dare to imagine that there is a river for you in the middle of your desert. And some of you are in a desert. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. I just want to pray tonight for some people who need a dream resurrection. Some people who've forgotten how to access what God has for them. I know you're hungry. Jesus said, I have food you don't know anything about. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? And you talked to the Samaritan woman and the disciples came back. I feel a preach coming on, sorry. He said, I have food you don't know anything about. And they said, well, I hope you didn't get it from her. Where's that food coming from? He said, look on the fields. You say four months in the harvest. I say it's now. 
He didn't see the people running. He used his sanctified imagination to see the woman running to tell the people. And he reeled it in. He said, oh, yeah, they're coming. She's telling, and they're coming. And that's what you have to do. Bring it to yourself. Bring it to your world. The only reason Jesus could do anything he did is because he trusted God. God said, go do it, and he did it. Let's be like Jesus. Amen, Father. Come on, God is just doing something special. This is the first message of the conference. God is resurrecting your dream. Come on, let's dare to believe. Let's place dibs on the thing that has been in your heart that you even dared not to believe.